0: From the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this
1: is
0: Inside Jeopardy!
1: Hello and welcome back to Inside Jeopardy! Your exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy! I'm Sarah Foss and believe it or not, we have reached the final episode in our TOC Summer Rewatch that is airing today so many great moments throughout but certainly one of the most talked about games in the tournament of champions last season was the exhibition game featuring three players who received a bye and were seated directly into the semifinals in the tournament of champions something we had never done before of course i'm talking about mateo roach matamodio and Amy Schneider their runs were so impressive so many wins that we really felt they were in a league of their own and we decided to seed them into the semi-final so since they didn't play that original quarterfinal match and we thought wow let's put them in an exhibition match. So when this episode first aired, I was joined by Matt and Matea and Amy here on the pod to break down that episode. Bit by bit, we discussed everything from the infamous bleeping moment from Ken, their reactions when they first learned that they were competing in this no stakes game something unheard of in jeopardy history honoring alex on the two-year anniversary of his passing and that very tricky final jeopardy i know many of our fans were unable to watch the game originally due to the election coverage but with the summer rerun of it and all the love we have been seeing across social we wanted to once again share this very special episode so please enjoy the great exhibition commentary pod Right now, I'm joined by three of the most successful contestants, not just of season 38, but in all of Jeopardy! history. Top three of five in the leaderboard of legends for most consecutive wins. We have Amy Schneider at 40 wins. Matt Amodio, 38-day champion, and Matea Roach, 23-day champion. Thank you all so much for joining us. Well, last night, for those who had the chance to watch it, we played what we're calling the great exhibition on Jeopardy. Some of you, we know your stations had to preempt it for the election coverage. So we wanted to make sure that you got to relive this experience, whether you saw it live or whether you're seeing the highlights with us today, because it was so much fun. Amy, I have to ask, what was your reaction when you first heard that we were going to do a game of Jeopardy where there were no stakes, really?
2: Uh, It was great. Well, I had first heard that, um, you know, just that y'all wanted to talk to me about something. And I got that text as I was getting on a plane. (laughs) So I was just glad to hear it wasn't anything bad, first off. Um, But yeah, no, I was I was really excited to, um, you know, get a chance to do something kind of unique that hadn't been done before.
1: And Matea, what was your reaction?
3: I think I felt kind of similarly, because when you get a text that's sort of, hey, we need to talk about something, I always go (laughs) right back to school and like, oh, my God, am I in trouble? Like, no, what would I possibly be in trouble for? Um, But I was excited just to get the chance, first of all, to play a game against two of the best players of all time. Like, it's a huge honor, but also to get in a little bit of practice before uh, taping our semifinals, because we were not going to get to compete in a quarterfinal. And I think, uh, at least for my part, I was a little bit worried about being rusty going into semis against players that had just, uh, you know, won a game.
1: Yeah, and that was part of our consideration. We thought, yes, we're seeding them into the semifinals, but does that put them at a disadvantage? Okay, we'll let them play a game against two of their peers who are also the best in the game. So I don't know how much of a, a leveling that was. Matt, what was your reaction?
4: Yeah, I had had a detailed conversation with my dad about the pros and cons of the seeding uh, and the the lack of uh, buzzer timing on um, in the quarterfinal round did come up and so i had already griped about this and then uh you guys just went and preempted my uh, my ability to complain so I, I was delighted to hear about it
1: we always like to preempt any opportunity for any of our contestants to complain so I'm, ga- <laughs> I'm glad that that worked out uh first off you know ken came out he said this is a game we've never played anything like that all three of you just the way you were standing it was just a different vibe it seemed more relaxed I know we revealed the categories we had everything from election day hits of 2002 lesser-known geography you sit on it number please and finally remembering Alex Trebek were you guys aware heading in that this would be the two-year anniversary of his passing this this show we would do on election day
3: Yeah, I remember when it was first sort of floated that there was going to be some kind of special episode um, to avoid the sort of election day preemption. I know one thing that a lot of Jeopardy! viewers had remarked upon was that it was the two-year anniversary of his passing. And so, um, yeah, I I wasn't surprised that, you know, the writers would have found a way to honor him just within the categories of the game.
1: Interestingly enough, we chose intentionally to not mention it on the one-year anniversary, because for those of us who knew Alex Trebek, He didn't want any fanfare. He didn't want it to be about him. He wanted it to be about all of you. And so we made a conscious choice, but we really heard from our viewers and our fans. They felt like we had somehow dishonored him. So on this second year anniversary, it was nice to be able to do something with the three of you, which I have to know he would have loved to see any of your runs. Uh, Matt, what was it like to plan that day for you?
4: Yeah, so uh, I I think uh, I I knew um, going in that that would be the case, and I think that that's a testament to just how he's never far from our minds uh, as contestants, definitely as uh, people who work on the show, I know, Um, and and so it's just, it's proof that he's still living memory.
1: Well, here you are in the Alex Trebek stage. We kick off the game. Matea, first up with Nickelback, your Canadian uh, roots helping you out there.
0: We wanna remind you that the number one song of 2002 was How You Remind Me by this Chad Kroger group. Matea. What's Nickelback? Yes, Canada's proud.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like there's a bit of pressure anytime there's any sort of Canadian content on the show. If I don't successfully ring in, people at home are like, what's going on? Like, (laughs) why don't they know that? Um, So yeah, I was happy to be able to snag some CanCon to start the game. And Matt, your
1: first chance to ring in, you just wanted to say hello to Ken.
0: On election night 1948, the Chicago Tribune went to press with this banner headline for the next morning's edition. Matt. Hi, Ken. Hey.
4: I just wanted to say hi. <laughs> What's Dewey defeats Truman?
0: That is the headline, yes. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, you know, I had planned ahead of time uh, that I wanted to uh, to just take the moment uh, and, and say hi to Ken in a way he deserves. But then it occurred to me that oh, geez, what if I don't get in until like after the commercial break? At that point, it, it's not going to be uh, it's not going to have the same meaning. So I was uh, I was glad that I got in towards the beginning, and the plan was for me to just. Uh, use my entire time. I, I was going to not answer, the, not respond to the clue at all uh, and uh, and just say that. But, you know, it was an American political history question. So it's my favorite category as well. And I just couldn't resist. So at the end, I threw in the correct response as well.
1: I was really impressed with your timing on that. I thought there's no way he's going to be able to say that and get in with the form of a question. But you did well done. All right. This next category, I think, mainly because of you, Amy, and you, Matea, was my favorite. Let's play a clip from um, the hits of
0: 2002. Uh, Hits of 2002, four. Give us the title of this Nelly song that heated up all the way to number one. But please, don't take off all your clothes. Even in a rehearsal game, Matea.
3: What's hot in here?
0: Right. Uh, 2002, 600. This dance anthem by Pink says, we'll be looking flashy in my Mercedes Benz. Matt.
4: What's hot in
0: here? No. <laughs> Amy. What is
3: I'm coming Out? No. Mateo. Ah. What is Get the Party Started? There we go, One yes. of my favorite songs from when I was, like, four. Uh, 2002, eight. <laughs>
2: wow. <laughs>
0: 2002, 1,000. Lose Yourself has the meta lyrics, and there's no movie. There's no this actor, this is my life. Amy. Who is Mackay Pfeiffer? Good for 1,000. All right. One of my favorite songs when I was 27. <laughs>
1: Oh, I love it so much. We know that Lose Yourself was one of those songs that you sang to yourself before every game. No accident that the writers put that in there. How did it feel to get it correct and then get to give Matea a little zinger there?
2: <laughs> oh, it was, I I don't know that I've ever wanted to bring in on a clue more uh, ever. Like, you know, because first of all, i had been hoping the whole rest of the category to get in on one because I thought of that joke after Matea like did their joke. <laughs> and so I wanted to get that in, although I didn't I was too like uh preoccupied to do the math so I was really like a little I'm I'm not quite that old um but (laughs) yeah and then so like then and then it was you know lose yourself and you know if I hadn't had that other joke queued up I was gonna continue on with the lyrics you know but I, I I chose not to.
1: Matea did you did you like hesitate at all before you said when I was like four?
3: <laughs> no, because it's Sarah, I was not exaggerating, like it actually was one of my favorite <laughs> songs and I was so frustrated, like you can see in the video I'm like just trying desperately to get in on the buzzer and I thought surely when Amy came in after Matt that I wasn't going to get to ring in, but I actually had I think like two separate mixed CDs that had been made for me by two different people that both had that song on it and so I was like I need to ring in on this clue and it just came out of my mouth and as soon as I said it I was like oh no, I just called everyone else on stage old, and I didn't even mean to.
1: Yes, well, we love you so much, and you did it with such care and compassion that even... I was doing the math with you, Amy, because we're similar in age. And I was like, I don't think we were 27, but we were certainly not four. So <laughs> the,
4: I, I will just add that I was yes. unable to participate in that joke at all, because the entire concept of listening to current music is so beyond me. I uh, I, I really there are so so many songs that I, I dislike when they're popular. And then 20 years later, maybe 10 years later, I'm able to, with the uh, benefit of space, give a fair shot and So uh, most of my listening is is still stuck in uh, like 95 at
0: the most recent at the moment.
1: (laughs) Fun was also had during the contestant interviews.
0: Tell us about some of the perks of your Jeopardy fame. Have you got to do anything cool?
1: Yeah, so at one point I
3: actually got invited to like a magazine's fundraising gala in Toronto and I was seated at a table with Margaret Atwood. Um, I didn't chat with her a lot, but at one point she kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, you have to see this. And someone else at the table had worn socks with like an illustration of her face on it and then on the sole of the foot it was like a handmaid from The Handmaid's Tale. So I guess if you get famous enough in Canada, like people show up at galas where you're gonna be with socks with your face on them, I don't know. I'm not there yet.
0: And Justin Trudeau texted you.
3: Uh, He didn't text me, he tweeted about me. He tweeted about Very important.
0: I love how Canadian all your stories are.
3: I'm really, I'm doing, kids from Degrassi
0: now (laughs) hang out with me, Ken. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic, welcome back. Matt Amodio now a postdoctoral researcher from Cambridge, Massachusetts. What about you? Tell me how great it is to be Matt Amodio today.
4: Yeah, so I started out throwing out the first pitch at a minor league baseball game. I got promoted throughout the first pitch at a major league baseball game. Hey. But now I am standing on the stage with a Jeopardy! goat, <laughs> who I have to correct, because I think I would have gotten my Ph.D. even without the whole Jeopardy
0: thing. <laughs> you don't
4: think Jeopardy really gives you a leg up
0: in your defense? I hope not. Fair enough. Amy Schneider is now a writer from Oakland, California. Tell us about some of your adventures since your Jeopardy run.
4: Uh, I mean, I think,
2: you know, the, the one that stands out is definitely getting to visit the White House. Uh, I was I was not able to meet with the president, but I met uh, Doug Emhoff, the second gentleman, and it was I was there for Trans Day of Visibility, and so they asked me to stand at the podium at the White House press briefing room and and say a few words. And they told me repeatedly that there would not be any questions from the audience for the reporters. Then yeah. I got up there, I said my few words. They started asking questions, and I said,
0: <laughs> well. I've seen the West Wing, I
2: can do this. I <laughs> just started answering the questions. It was
0: that is, really great. That's a fantastic story, and a great way to one-up Matt's minor league Akron <laughs> baseball story. Oh. oh, you threw out a first pitch in Akron. I missed it, I was at the White
3: House. <laughs>
4: I hope you didn't throw anything there. <laughs> nope.
3: Um, I enjoyed that Ken was able to rouse us a little bit more than he might be able to on the regular show um, with other contestants just because he knows we can we can take it, right? Um, so I remember there was actually one time during my regular season run, I think we had to cut Ken making a joke at my expense, even though I thought it was really funny. And I was kind of <laughs> sad that we cut it. It was something about, like, I didn't ring in on a clue about Buffalo Springfield and Neil Young. And he was like, come on, Mateo, you should have gotten it. That's the can con again. Uh, we had to
4: cut it. Factors ready to eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to Factormeals.com slash Jeopardy 50 and use code Jeopardy 50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy 50 at Factormeals.com slash Jeopardy 50 to get 50% off.
2: Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? (laughs) Some peasant Coke? No.
1: Well, we didn't cut anything from this episode, which brings up my next favorite clip. I don't even think Ken knows yet that the uh, number patterns, numbers please, category uh, played just the way it played on the show. Let's take a look back.
0: Number four. Normally, the human body contains this number of chromosomal pairs. Amy. What is 23? That's correct. I don't know if you noticed, but the numbers in that category, 40, 23, 38, and 74, which is larger than all of them. Nope. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) We'll just pretend. Amy, select again. I'll do number please for 200. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see if you know this one. Matthew 4 says Jesus fasted for this many days and nights in the wilderness, and he was hungry after. Well, yeah. Matt. What's 40? That's correct. Now, I suspect you didn't notice this. The the numbers that were the responses in that category, 40, 23, 38, and then 74, which is larger than any of them, may be of specific relevance to your Jeopardy! streaks.
1: So this was an idea of Rocky Schmidt, our supervising producer. He was like, we have to come up with this category that relates to all of your streaks. Um, Before Ken's flub, had you picked up on it at all, or were you just kind of in the moment of the category?
4: The, the number 74 means uh, uh, means something to me, and uh, it's not outside of the context of Jeopardy. So I, I something uh, flagged it in my mind there. M-
3: maybe when I had seen 40. Like, I think maybe if he hadn't flubbed, if I had seen the last clue, I, perhaps. But I think I was just too fixated on completely not knowing at all the responses for the clues for 74 and 38. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think that, like, I um never remember a clue at like after it's gone like you know at the end of a game i'm like i have no idea what questions i answered or or anything like that so yeah i i did not pick up on the pattern in the slightest no
1: well one thing we learned on the great exhibition is that yes ken jennings swears
4: It did occur to me also, though, that um, I, I had done a few um, uh, gestures that are related to the flub that may have spilled over into the next question. So I, I was holding out my buzzer uh, saying, like, look, I know I know what the next one's going to be. And then I also made a, an, a special uh, uh, laugh, I guess I would say, after giving the clue. And so I was wondering whether it was going to air as is. And because we, uh, uh, we had that spillover into the other clues, I knew you, you guys probably we, had to we, air we, it. We, edited out but it was just
1: such a genuine moment you know like you can hear all of us yelling from the judges table no (laughs) no and then he fixed it but i i loved it i think it's really great on a game like this that there isn't so much at stake that you're becoming a you know a day more of a champion isn't on the line or advancing in the semis or anything like that that we can really just have fun and this was one of those moments where thank you for being part of what i will remember as one of my funnest moments in the studio
0: (laughs) Alex's breakfast of choice was a Diet Coke and a Snickers. After a doctor's lecture, Diet Pepsi and this Gimme a Break candy bar. Amy. What is Kit Kat?
1: Had you guys ever heard about Alex's breakfast of champions that we talked about? (laughs) Was this new to you? Because nope. this was true. I mean, for all the years with the Diet Coke and the Snickers, and then he changed it after all those years to a Diet Pepsi and a Kit Kat. But that, that was Alex, and um, I love that we were able to get that in. Even his love of tools. You guys had a tough time with that tool. I mean, I love that you all went in for it.
0: Trebac 1,000? Alex had tons of hardware supplies, including these, also called Half Moon Keys. He never knew what they were for, though. Matt,
4: what's semi-lunars? No.
0: Amy, what's demi-lune? No. Matea wants. What to- What
3: are d- hemi Apparently they are.
0: They are woodruff keys. Apparently you were all each not close to that.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, um, I I know there are things that uh, are shaped on. Uh, like a half moon and are called semi-lunar because of it. I think you have valves in the heart, for example, and so uh, uh, why not take a shot? I I didn't expect uh, uh, you two to come in and (laughs) think I was on the right track, but what can you do? (laughs) Not my fault. The picture meant nothing to
2: me whatsoever and the, the, you know, correct answer when it was revealed still meant nothing to me whatsoever. So, you know, might as well take a shot.
3: For me, it was purely, you no, know, just the opportunity to say what I knew would be a third wrong answer. But to, you know, again, when you see an opportunity for a joke in a game like this, I think you have to take it.
1: Well, and Alex always said he had he loved the tools in his shop, in his garage, and he was honest. He didn't know what half of them were or what they did. So I think even Alex may have missed that clue. Uh, moving on, we head now into double jeopardy. We've got the categories. Hope you read Middle March. We'll always have the Treaty of Paris, movie quotes, potpourri, rhymes with a snow white dwarf and wrong, but excellent. Uh, Matt, what was your reaction when you saw those double jeopardy categories? You were all obviously, you know, in a pretty good position, but hoping to maximize on them.
4: Yeah, I, uh, um, I have read about Middlemarch, which I thought uh, might be uh, enough, but unfortunately found out not. And then uh, I, I feel like I was deprived as a child where I uh, don't have much association with the seven dwarves. If I take a second. I can list all of them, uh, but it's not just like naturally in there. So I was hoping uh, I I could use the actual clue and then say, does it end in a Y? Okay, sounds good. Uh, But I I found out that it's a little harder than that in both cases.
1: Mateo, what was your reaction to those double Jeopardy categories? Really close coming out of the Jeopardy round. So this was, you know, a chance to move ahead, which you did maximize on?
3: <sighs> well, unlike Matt, I have not even read about Middlemarch, so my reaction to that category was basically, I hope the Daily Double's not in there. Um, some of the others, I thought, Treaty of Paris, could be okay. Rhymes, I, I generally like rhymes, and I uh, I actually don't even know if I've ever watched Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, but I was a bit more confident, perhaps, on my ability to name dwarves, and so I thought that might be alright. But mainly at the time that we were going into double, like, I was just happy to be on relatively even footing, which was not necessarily what I expected uh, coming into the game. I thought I might get trounced, to be totally honest. So yeah, I just thought I'll give it my best shot and I, I definitely tried to daily double hunt um in this game a lot more than anybody saw me do in the regular season. You saw I kind of started I think with the two thousand or sixteen hundred dollar clues. So yeah, that was my attitude.
1: It worked. Amy, how about your reaction to those categories? Uh
2: they were they were interesting. I do like the idea that <laughs> from Matea that naming dwarves is a, you know, skill that came in handy in, in your life at any point. <laughs> Um, I like the Treaty of Paris. I like the history and stuff, and I thought that the middle March one was just funny because of course, nobody's read middle March like nobody's read it in the last fifty years. so what are we doing here but uh that was that was yeah.
4: fun. <laughs> It, it's, what are we uh, doing here? It, it, it's my mom, who, who's a English PhD's uh, favorite book. And so I, I had a little bit of uh, an education when I got home after, uh, after that. And then I also, uh, I'll add on the last category, wrong, but excellent. I, I thoroughly love that because I actually remember some of the specific incidents that uh, the category's clues were referring to. I, I think the um, Leclad. Um, was, uh, was one of them, and Galen was another, where uh, when I first heard them, I- I'm not sure I even knew who they were. And so I said, okay, well, uh, I-, I should go look into this. This is something a contestant clearly knows, wow. <laughs> or at least something about. <laughs>
1: We love to hear you're doing your research on those those long-lost clues. Matei, your daily double hunting obviously went well. You get the first daily double, and you wager some amount of magic beans. I loved that.
3: <laughs> well, I was like, we're not playing for money, so I don't know. Maybe, what is it that, I'm, I'm thinking of Jack and the Beanstalk, but I completely don't remember the plot. I guess he he sells the cow for magic beans. That's what happens in Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I can grow a really tall beanstalk with my winnings from this game. <laughs>
1: You sure can. And then you found your category. Let's take a look at Potpourri for Matea.
0: Potpourri, 2000. Seen here is this famous Madame, an official mistress of Louis XV and a patron of the arts. Matea. Who's Madame de Pompadour? Right. Potpourri, 16. The name of this London airport goes back to Anglo-Saxon words meaning goat farm. Matea. What's Gatwick? Yes. Potpourri, 12. Inky, Blinky, Pinky, and Clyde are the ghosts in this classic video game. Matea. What's Pac-Man? Right again. Potpourri eight. Don't get mad and blow this part of many machines, a flat ring used to tightly seal a joint.
3: Matea. What's gasket? Yes. Potpourri four.
0: Because it's hundreds of seeds are on the outside, this berry isn't considered a true berry. Matea. (laughs) What's a strawberry? That's correct. You have found your category, potpourri, it turns out. Select again.
1: Matea, I have to think, I know how you were feeling in this moment, but I have to ask, Amy, what were you thinking? Because you've been on the other side where you just get a category, you get into your rhythm, and you are just locked in on the buzzer that was happening for Mateo, what was your reaction at this point?
2: Uh, you know, I was definitely feeling a bit frustrated at not getting in, but like, I also like, there would always be little stretches where I felt that way and I, you know, got, you know, it didn't bother me too much. And I just thought it was hilarious the
1: you know, you
2: you found your category and just potpourri. That's, it was just so ridiculous.
1: How about for you, Matt?
4: (laughs) Yeah, so I I know that there are these stretches where uh, you you lose the buzzer or you get the buzzer. And uh, uh, frankly, that from a competitive point of view, uh, I'm always happy when they are running a category uh, rather than running a bottom row. (laughs) So I I was fine uh, losing out on a couple of uh, $400 (laughs) questions.
1: Matea, you said you were surprised to be kind of in it after the Jeopardy round ended. What were you thinking at this point?
3: I was extremely surprised that I had at all a run of buzzer timing like that. And it is really funny that it happened in potpourri. Like potpourri is a category that I think you're like never really excited to see or, you know, <laughs> it's it, there's not going to be a daily double in there. Typically, you don't really have any idea what the actual clues are going to be about. So you're not really able to gauge is this going to be a strong category for me or not? And so i just found it very bizarre that of all like i think it's the weirdest category i've ever run in a game of jeopardy just because first of all i'm against you know two fantastic players who were certainly trying to get in on the buzzer right so it's not like i'm just racking up really obscure clues that nobody else knows (laughs) but then it's also this category that i completely had no idea what was going to be in there when i started playing it so yeah i was you can tell on my face at the end of it i just kind of like can't believe uh what has just happened
1: Well, Matt alluded to the seven dwarves category a little earlier. Another one of my favorite moments was watching the three of you play this category. Let's take a look at the highlight from that one.
0: Dwarf, 2000. Make it this adjective. That also means attractively and fashionably dressed. Matt. What? Tony? No. Amy. What is snappy? Yeah, it rhymes with happy. Snow White Dwarf, 16. Inclined to be tearful or a sentimental film. Matt.
4: What's sappy?
0: No. Matea. What's weepy? Yes, rhymes from sleepy. They're uh, all gonna rhyme with the same dwarf, Matt. Collect <laughs> <laughs> again, Matea. Ah,
1: oh, he had to call you out on that one. <laughs>
0: Yeah,
4: but I, as
1: you mentioned, you don't have a lot of dwarf knowledge.
4: That's true. And I do um, remember <laughs> uh, uh, a category in the n- recent past uh, where uh, they all rhymed with happy. And so w- when the first one uh, came in, I said, oh, oh, that, that's that got to be the direction we, we're going in. And that's not the direction they were going in. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, it was a tough Final Jeopardy. Um, you guys all together, you got it all correct. But let's take a look back at Final Jeopardy of the Great Exhibition.
0: Chemical element names is the final Jeopardy! category of our special exhibition game. Here's the clue. The three elements whose names begin with two vowels are iodine and these two, one synthetic and one natural. 30 seconds, good luck. Madam Amodio, in the middle and still writing. What did he come up with? What are Einsteinium and then I think, Eulerium, Eulerium, like Leonard Euler? Euler. That's not correct. Brutal final Jeopardy question, you got half of them. You have $3,600. Amy Schneider was in second place. Which elements did she think of? Not
2: not What are Europium
0: and yeah. blank? Well, I think between the two of you, you have the makings of a pretty good response there. <laughs> but you're gonna lose $64.96, leaving you with $904. Mateo Roach had the lead after a strong game. What was their response? What are Europium and Einsteinium putting it together? That's correct. (laughs) You wagered nothing, leaving you with 17,600. Congratulations, you've won our Jeopardy TOC exhibition match.
1: So I have to ask, were you surprised that in a great exhibition, we're going along, we're having so much fun, that the final was so hard? What were your thoughts, Matt?
4: (laughs) Yeah, I, um, I, I know most of the elements, uh, not all of them, and, and I certainly can't just uh, name them off. Uh, <laughs> and so I, uh, I, I was just starting to think of two-letter combination, two combinations, two-vowel uh, combinations. Eventually, I started writing them down, uh, as you <laughs> can see on the board, saying, like, does it look like anything, maybe? And uh, I, I felt uh, uh, a little disappointed with myself afterwards, but it was a, it was a fun clue.
1: Amy for you, you may not have gotten the whole clue correct, but you did have a chance to wager64 dollars. We learned June 4th Genevieve's birthday, so it was a win in some ways, right? In
2: some ways, yes. I was a hundred percent convinced that I had made up europium and that it wasn't a real element. So that was <laughs> that was that was a surprise, um, and I was going to say about the, the clue itself. I found it uh, uncomfortably close to asking, "What's the only country that ends in H?"
1: How about for you, Matea? You had a runaway, and now you even got final correct. Yeah, it was kind of
3: like the cherry on top of the game, I guess. Because when I saw the category, I was like, "Well, I'm I'm toast." Like the elements, no. I stopped taking science in school basically as soon as I could possibly, and uh, I also don't when feel you like were I'm, four. Not when I was. <laughs> For. I had to take it up until I guess I, I could have stopped a little bit sooner I took it until the end of high school um but in any case uh Europium I was I was sure was a real thing like I wrote that down right away and then I think because I had one immediately I I very much did what Matt did and just started thinking okay what are different two-letter combinations unfortunately EI is not too too far into the alphabet so um Just in the nick of time, I think if I would thought of it any later, I might not have been able to write the whole word down. Uh, But I thought, you know, even if this isn't right, it's at least a a very serviceable guess. And then, of course, when I saw Matt's response and then Amy's response get revealed, I was like, this is two parts of the answer that I wrote down. Ah, I might have something here. (laughs)
1: Well, for everyone watching, you played this game the day before you were gonna come out for your semifinals. So was it as much fun to play as it was for us to watch, knowing that you still had the pressure of the semis coming the very next day, but that this really was just for fun. Amy, how about for you? Yeah,
2: I mean, I think, you know, there was a part of my head that like leading up to it was like, you know, is there some sort of like mental game to be played here that I should be doing? But then I was eventually just like, no, just, you know, play it how you play it and either you'll do well and they'll be intimidated or you'll do bad and they'll be lulled into a false sense of security so it'll, it'll all be fine.
4: Yeah. So I I thought about this quite a bit. And so I uh, went in with the strategy that uh, this is mostly for buzzer practice and I am going to buzz in 60 times or well uh, daily doubles that 57 times uh, and get the maximum amount of buzzer practice that I can. And I knew going in that would mean that I have some embarrassing, incorrect guesses for times that I win the buzzer and uh, don't know the answer. And I was worried that that would come off poorly. And so with the game ending up being so fun, uh, I think that it just fed into the fun atmosphere. And so I was really happy that it wasn't going to be uh, uh, everybody else taking it seriously and Matt ruining it with his weird strategy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Matt did not ruin the great exhibition. Matea, what are your thoughts? Um, I was
3: very nervous going into the game that if I played really poorly, um, or not even if I played poorly, but if I was trying to get in on the buzzer and the timing just wasn't working and I ended up like way behind, that it might sort of affect my mindset going in to play the semis the next day. So I just thought, okay, you know, have fun. I think John Barra, like the contestant producer, was saying before we all went up on stage, you know, remember to have fun, like you guys should be having fun. And I was like, John... You've seen me play this game like 24 times now. When have I not had fun on stage? Like, that's the one thing I know for sure I'll be able to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't try to use it for buzzer practice because I thought that that would sort of affect my mindset in a negative way. And I didn't want during my semifinal to be buzzing in on things I didn't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I certainly, I think, left the studio after taping this game feeling uh, feeling pretty good about how things might play out the next day.
1: Well, who knows if next season when we do our tournament of champions, we will have a field like we have this year. If we have three, I don't even know what to call you because it's so far past super champions in the field and we seed them in the semis. Do you advise that we do another great exhibition if we end up in this position again? Absolutely,
2: yeah. Yeah, that was, like, just, I, I want, it's a gift I want to give to these hypothetical future contestants. It was, it was really great.
1: Yeah, the, uh, for
4: the three people participating, I think it's going to be great fun, and then I hope for the audience watching it as well.
3: Yeah, 100%. If you have a, a field like this one, if you need to do a weird tournament structure, highly advise doing this again, because it was maybe the most fun I've ever had up on that stage.
1: Well, we're not going to spoil it for anyone if we see the three of you again in the finals, but we can't wait to watch each of your semifinals. Thank you so much for joining us on this special edition of Inside Jeopardy, and thank you for just the incredible contribution you have been to our show, to our past season, and to the legacy. We are so proud to have the three of you as our leaderboard of legends. Thank Thank you. You know, I had just as much fun listening to it the second time around, breaking down that... Wild. I think it's a great way to describe it. That wild game with Amy, Matt, and Matea. Our summer reruns are coming to an end this week. Today, of course, the finale, that game six of the TOC. And then we have four producer pick episodes to wrap up the week. Those are what we feel are four of the best shows of season 39. So please enjoy those. But what this means is that we are just one week away from the debut of season 40. And as we've mentioned, we're gonna be kicking that off with an all new second chance competition. This one featuring some of the best players from season 37. These are players who competed during some crazy times at Jeopardy during COVID, during guest hosts. Some of them actually played with Alex. They weren't able to win their initial game, but they did come oh so close. So I can tell you, we have recorded these episodes and you are not going to be disappointed. Those all start next Monday, but on the pod... In order to celebrate the launch of the new season, we decided to do something a little different. You often hear us talking about those audience Q&A sessions that happen during the tapings with our hosts, and this is something that Alex used to always do with our audiences, and our hosts Ken and Mayim have continued on with this tradition. It's such a fun moment for all of us here in the studio when it happens. So next week, as a special bonus to help celebrate the launch of Season 40, you're going to get to hear Ken and Mayim responding to a series of these audience questions you know i find i always learn a lot about our hosts during these q a sessions and i hope you'll join us for that special episode next week in the meantime be sure to subscribe to the podcast rate us leave us a comment share across social and follow us at jeopardy on instagram on facebook on youtube on tiktok and as jimmy mcguire likes to say on the new twix that's twitter or x whatever is your favorite and send us your questions to inside at gmail.com